This is episode 39 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy, brought to you by Everything Cowboy. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you know what really grinds my gears, Wacy? What? Stubbing my toe on shit. That sucks. Man, did you see this toe? It's like purple. Look at this. I kicked a box in the office yesterday. Look it up. Were you upset? I was pissed. I kicked a box. Why'd you kick a box? Because it was dark and I went to get something out of my office and there was a case on the floor. Oh, it's like you unintentionally kicked the box. Yeah, like I just stubbed my toe in a, at an inappropriate time. Oh. And it really hurts wearing cowboy boots now. Oh, yeah. It's it not hurt. ideal. Stubbing a toe is not fun. What's the worst thing that can happen like that that you don't like? Like a household dangers. What are the worst household dangers? When you get your belt loop caught on your door handle. <laughs> <laughs> I get my pockets caught on the little the handles in the yeah, kitchen. Yeah, that's often. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, or sometimes dangerous. I hit my head on the the cabinet doors because they don't close all. Like oh, they yeah, don't latch. They don't hit. They don't. Especially the ones above. Yeah, I hit my head on those the all stove. Time. Oh yeah. man, I was walking down the stairs. Did you crunch your melon off oh, there? Oh yeah, bad. Really? I don't know. I thought you'd I, know by now. You've been a basement dweller for so long. Oh, I so know. Long. I know. I, w- I was just like, I wasn't. My mind was elsewhere, and I just like fucking whacked it like, <laughs> and it hurt. I was I was down in a heap. Oh, man. Yeah, it was not a good time. That is brutal. It was not a good time. That is brutal. So stubbing toes, hitting your head on stuff. I hit my head on the tree out Have you front, fell like, in the shower Three times. Before? I have, but I've heard people dying doing that. Oh, so you can die for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. legit. I was thinking about that today. There's so many ways people can die. It's just like, <clears throat> just like, <laughs> yeah, like you're on like a motorcycle and you just hit some rocks and just bam, dead. You can die walking across the street. Right. Struck by lightning, dead. Right. Jeez. Get attacked by some rabid, city rabbit. <laughs> Dead there are some rabbits. Rabies. They're brown in the summertime and they're white in the winter. They're camouflaged. Whoa. Apparently one lived in our garage all winter. I had no idea. Oh? Yeah. That's what the neighbors You didn't holds. know either, apparently. I didn't see no stinking rabbits. <laughs> as long as I don't get in my hockey bag, I don't care. Well, they probably were. He probably pooped all over it. No, I would have known. You would have known? That's fair. That would have been hell. Well, it's uh, it's not summer yet. It's, uh, what is We're it? getting like, a taste of summer, though. Just a smidge. Like just, just a, a smidge just of an, summer. Just like they're teasing us. It's like, yeah. here's a little bit. Here's, okay. here's what's coming. Ah, just kidding. It's going to snow again. Boom, snow. <laughs> Three feet of snow. Oh. There's a good song called Alberta May. It's by Alan Christie. Mm-hmm. It goes like, Alberta May, make up your mind. See the coldest hail of warm sunshine. <laughs> it's been a long, cold winter. <laughs> but you could put the chill away, Alberta May. That's legit, though. Right. Like, I've never heard... Like, that's like the perfect way to describe pain in Alberta. <laughs> Especially when in Calgary. It's cold as hell or warm sunshine. Yeah, literally though. It's really, it's true. Yeah, like a week ago or when we got back from Brooks, it was like minus when we got three. Stuck, when we got stuck in Brooks, it was cold as yeah. shit and it was a full on shit. I guess that was still, that was April, but still. Yeah, but that was only two weeks ago. Yeah, literally. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, I don't get it. I don't like it. But it, it, yeah. it's May long weekend. So, so it's I, was, I was talking. I was talking. Chances to, are it's going to rain. I was talking to Preston about it too. Like. Yep. When the last time there's been a nice May long? I don't know. Probably last year. We just didn't realize it. No. I don't know. It was rainy and terrible. You sure? Yeah. I, I I cannot remember a May long that it's been nice weather. Well, you're going to a wedding anyways. I know, but I'm just like, you're you, gonna be I'm thinking back to even when I was growing up. Like, they might take the foot. Well, that's, that's a bias thing though. That's horse shit. But I mean, it's bias. How is well, it horse because, shit? Because you're like, oh, that's, it's painting May long with a bad picture. Like sometimes it's good. I can't remember one. I had a good May long in Cloverdale once. Okay, that's just a like province away. Time. Yeah, still, I've had good ones. One time. Yeah. Maybe another time. Maybe like twice. I remember getting out of high school rodeo when it was fucking snowing May long weekend. <laughs> 
May long. So I think this is Memorial Day in America, isn't it? The twenty fourth of May. I'm know. pretty sure that it's that it's Memorial Day. Like, and it's like a big like good time in America because it's warm. But May it's long, like May long, like even that. like for the booze industry in Canada. This yeah. Is like this is their big like summer kickoff. Really. This is a huge weekend for the booze industry. This is the time to yeah. kick off the new because you know, it's, it's the first first long first long weekend of the spring summer thing, right? Well, you kind of got into a bit of, a bit of one this last week with uh, at the house at. Presence House. You guys got on the swish a little bit. Yeah, we had a it was Saturday, pretty warm. Saturday, Saturday, it was twenty three degrees. Yeah, see, it wasn't May long, but it was still a good. A, you had a good weekend. It's like it still works. Right? I never said May in general. I just said May long, dude. Well, yeah. Stop it. You're attacking me. Okay, whatever. I haven't whatever. had great experiences with May long, so I'm sorry. Wait, so you had a bad experience. Remember one we time went to? It's, we went. It's no, it wasn't and, one time. It's bruised as uh, is. Man, remember feelings. we went to Kyle and it was freaking the coldest day it wasn't that bad it was okay. actually better the day before wasn't it yeah it was like 20 degrees and it was cold and rainy and like there was three people watching and our speakers <laughs> blew over in the wind yeah so another <laughs> terrible may long yeah well but we had, a, we had a good trip though i almost died on my way home one time from a high school rodeo in wayburn because it was shitty rain and on may long what happened i hydroplaned well you should drive you shouldn't drive so fast you shouldn't drive like an asshole i don't drive like an asshole apparently you did then you drive way faster than i drive well i got places to go so who's the asshole here? Who's the asshole now? The fucking guy in the slow lane, in the fast lane that's going slower than I am. That's who's the asshole. But if he's going the speed, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Cause I, I feel the same way. The guy today on highway two that had a boat behind him and he was mad that we passed him in the fast lane and he got back in the fast lane. There was nobody in the slow lane, but he apparently wanted to drive in the fast lane with a boat behind him. It was weird. Was it windy? No, it was not windy at all. Weird. Maybe it's a new boat. I don't know. Maybe he's just happy because he had a new I don't boat. Know. I saw Woody today. That was cool. You did? Where'd you see I him? I did. We saw him at the boat store. Why'd you guys go to the boat store? Or Don's boat Don guy? needed a boat thing. Yeah, he's a salesman. He needed an RV thing. Yeah, it was good. So, so shout out to Woody. Woody, our boy. Yep. A little, um, red, a little redheaded assassin. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get to some stuff here. So it's like we're in the middle of the Monster Energy Tour right now. By the time this is out, we'll be heading for Moncton, New Brunswick, Halifax next week. We're going to be in Grand Prairie, Wildwood. The band is taking over. We've got all sorts of places A couple here. weeks of balls to the wall, eh? Yeah, and then, yeah, like Moose Jaw, Rocky Mountain House. Got to go to Winnipeg for the boot, for Canada West Boots. Going to be running pretty fast. We're going to be going pretty fast. Yeah, you got a lot going on. But hey, Monday this week, we sat down with Scott Hardy, Western Silversmith, part of the Traditional really Cowboys cool. Arts Association. Yeah. Traditional Cowboy Arts Association. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Scott invited us into his shop, and we hung out there for a whole morning, basically. Did a podcast with him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Had a lot of fun. We've got to see some cool stuff. Yeah. How about that? How about it's, amaz it's amazing to think that some of the stuff that they've made, or people like that make, they make with their hands. It's cool. Even mm -hmm. like leather work, really nice leather work. machines too, but it's quite incredible. But still, like, yeah, it's they can do that with yeah. mostly just with them. their hands. Yeah. yeah, Scott though, I knew who he was, but I'd never really met him. And it was he like his his work is way up here where I can't afford it because it's so expensive and fancy. And he's an artist and of at the highest level. Mm -hmm. But Storm got me this pocket watch for Christmas, and she got it engraved by Scott. So we got to go meet him. Pretty cool. Yeah, she talked to him, and she's like, "You got to meet this guy." She, yeah, because he because Scott gave us this book. It's called Cowboy Renaissance. It's the story of the TCAA and shows a bunch of their different work, which is different. Pieces. So we went down there and then he and I bullshit for like an hour of the time that we went down. And then uh, he emailed me or texted me later on. He's like, hey, love to be out to visit with you on the podcast and, you know, talk about the TCAA and mm -hmm. kind of get the word out on what they're doing and, and talk about, you know, share some stories. So that's what we did earlier this week. And uh, that's the podcast for this week. So we hope you enjoy. You're listening to episode 39 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. We're here in Longview, Alberta today. Well, a little northeast of Longview at Scott Hardy.
Hardy's shop here. Scott's a Western silversmith and uh, one of the best in the entire world. You, Scott, we're at your in your shop right now. We pushed a couple things aside and we're uh, we're set up and and doing the show today. But there's an amazing buckle across the way from me right now here. I guess is this a four piece or is this a three piece buckle? Set? Well, they call it a three piece, but there's actually yeah. four pieces. Yeah, because you got two sl- sliders there. Two whole, center slides. Center keepers slides. Yeah, two center. keepers. Yeah, it's a silver buckles. And compl- I don't I don't even know how to ex- describe it. Wait, can you help me here? What like what are we what are we working with? We've got an overlay. It's completely engraved, but it's an overlaid silver with different flowers, and the petals are wrapping around. And it's actually like a 3D buckle. I don't, I'm I'm bad at this. You're doing a good job. Yeah. You're doing a lot better than I would describe. Am I it. painting a picture right now? Because I'm <laughs> You're Picasso painting Picasso. a picture. <laughs> yeah, two slider pieces, and it's on a thin felt too. Which is a really nice belt as well. It looks like some one of your friends built that too. Yeah, Scott. custom buckle belt. I mean, yeah. yeah. You made the belt? No, hell no. A friend of yours built. Probably another... Yeah. Alexander. Okay. So Scott, let's get started here today. I want to visit about the TCAA, the Traditional Cowboy Arts Association. Give us a bit of a background on that and how it became to be. You're one of the founding members. Yeah, a founding member. We actually, when I went to start to roll it right back, when I went to start as a silversmith, there was nobody that would teach you. There was nobody would let you in their shops. Saddle makers work the same way. Actually, if you went to a saddle maker's shop, he'd cover his work up. So we saw the trades were dying and that production work was taking over and people, it was all lack of knowledge, the reason it was dying. And young guys starting out had no place to go. So a group of us came together that represented, at that point, we were supposedly the top of the field in pit and spur making, silversmithing, saddle making, and rawhide braiding. We got together to uh, basically teach or form a teaching group that would uh, perpetuate the trades. We call them the traditional cowboy trade. So the four disciplines got together, the masters of the four disciplines, to, to see how we could do this, how we could perpetuate the trades, yeah. keep them alive, and realized then that, that technology and, and uh, production, you couldn't fight that. So where we had to go with this was to, to take it to a level that had never been taken before so that it actually crossed the boundaries into art. So we just celebrated our 20th anniversary last October. We've had 20 shows at the National Cowboy Museum. We started a whole education program to go along with that, where we've raised on our own and given out over half a million dollars to teach other people. That's the four different trades. Yeah. It's evolved over the years. We started out giving $500 scholarships, I guess you'd call them, just so guys could come to workshops and on and on like that. And It's evolved to now we give two fellowships a year. And they're each worth $12,000. Oh, wow. And then we give a special scholarship for somebody that's just about at that level that they'd be a master or that they've shown enough dedication that we know they will be eventually. And that can be up to $5,000. And we'll bring them in. I had a guy last year from Oklahoma come spend a week with me and then he went and spent a week with another silversmith. Okay. So it's ways like that to keep it alive. But we understood right in the beginning the best way to do this was by doing. So the show was was brought to together in Oklahoma with the specific purpose of taking our work further than you could had ever been taken before yeah. in each discipline. And every year you have to bring something new, three of your best pieces, and you have to be there to meet the public, be there to talk about your piece. And and of course they're for sale, but it's and a place for craftsmen to come and learn. And the show this year is, this is October 4th and 5th in uh, in Oklahoma City. Yep, National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum. And tell me about the show a little bit. Can anybody come to the event? Or? Yeah, anybody can come to the event. It's it's a lot of fun. It yeah. Actually, it's Friday, Saturday is the openings. So yeah. on 
Friday, we'll uh, have a preview Friday night. Okay. And the artists are there hanging around all weekend and visiting with people. We do it. it the reception is fun. It's kind of hors d'oeuvres and drinks. And then they open the gallery and go in there. Saturday, there's events all day. There's yeah. A, they call it, sounds uh, ridiculous, but an autograph session in the morning. Okay. Because <laughs> there's a, they produce a catalog for it every year. Yeah. So it's there for the people to come and get the craftsmen to sign the catalogs. And then there's a roundtable discussion in the afternoon and demonstrations. And then at five o'clock, it's called a hard opening. It's all black tie. That's when people are actually let in the gallery. And it's a, it's an interesting event because there's ballot boxes in front of each piece. So at five o'clock, they blow a horn. People can come in there. And if they see a piece they want, they put a, a ducket in the box. So and you the, can get two or three or four people putting in on the same piece. The prices are already on the pieces. Prices are on. Yeah, they're yeah. fixed prices. They know what they're yep. paying for. And that's part of what you guys built this on is that these are the prices and people, you guys went out on a limb to even yeah. do this in the beginning Yeah. because there's a piece on your desk here that, that's a $50,000 piece that you yep. went to collect actually last week. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just, the pricing situation, there was a lot of craftsmen over the years that were running into it. A lot of trouble because they would price a piece honestly, time and material. And then if it didn't sell right away, they were so hungry that they would start dropping the price. So what that does is it devalues the whole market. So yeah. instead of, let's say, a $2,500 saddle, if somebody buys it for $2,100, then the next guy doesn't want to pay $25 for it. So it turned things from full-time craftsmen into part-time craftsmen because they yeah. were losing money on it. They had thing. to go that way. Yeah. And that kills the industry. So, but this way at, at this, at your event in Oklahoma City, and it's and it's been there in the history of the of its time, correct? Right. So multiple people can put their name in on these pieces, yep. and but it's, it ends up being a draw at the end of the night. They're yep. gonna, at they, the end of the night, yeah. it's they just open the box, stir it around, and pull three pull names out. Yeah. One, two, three. So the first one has 15 minutes to accept or reject. And the reason they do that is because... Might have multiple pieces. Exactly. Yeah. So if they accept, it's sold. If not, it goes to number two. Yeah. And the same procedure. Okay. Yeah. And then anything not sold that night is just up for sale after that for the next three months. Okay. Yeah. And then how did this piece come back here that was at the event last year? Well, it was one of the poor little guys that didn't get sold. Didn't get sold, yeah. <laughs> But how, so this this is a $50,000 piece. How much time and money are you out on that piece? What's your material cost in that? Oh, my God. I've got well over 400 hours in it. And material costs? Yeah. Be about ten to 15000 And 400 hours, like, for people that work a normal job, what is that? That's like a lot 10, of, lot that's of hours. 10 weeks of work. <laughs> yeah. Right? But yeah. you're here You're here more than 40 hours a week. You're here all day, every day. All day, every day, seven yeah. days a week. Unless yeah. I've got something to do, then I'll... This is also something to do, but you mean... It is. But you mean something... <laughs> Something, something away that's from not something work. different to do. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Wacy yeah. yeah, said something that's not work. This isn't really isn't work to you at for the uh, most no, part. No, it's is it? not really work. It's what you're really doing is a problem solver. So when you start, like we were talking about the vase earlier, or the or the fifty thousand dollar decanter, as you go through it, you have to figure out ways to create it as you go. I mean, it's I have never built one before. I've built decanters and flasks, yeah. nothing like nothing that. like this. And so we got to describe this one too. So it, it's a round decanter. That's you said it's it a 28 ounces. 28 ounces. So it's it's round and it has a really small, like it's, what would it say, about your hand kind of, it's just, it's this side over here, Wait, so you see the... It's like four inches, isn't it? Yeah, it's, a, it's four or 
five inches. Yeah, five inches across. And then it had a gusset in it that's yep. two inches, so you get the volume. And then the spout on the top. Another six-inch spout on it. Yeah. With a, with a lid. You showed us a flask from England in the 1800s. It was made in the 1800s. Yeah. And it's totally metal. It has a bit of cork on the inside of the lid. Yep. But it's just a simple twist lid with two little slats and two little bumps on the outside, and it, it'll twist on. Yeah, it's a friction fit. So yeah. it's not like uh, threads. So it slides into a slot, and then yeah. as you turn it, the slot narrows, and it sucks the lid down. So it's different, and it... It's amazing. It's, well, it's fun to build different shit like that. So oh, yeah. You just... And it's, it's fun to build threads, too. Yeah, but, <laughs> but not as fun as this, <laughs> Not I like bet. that, no. Yeah. <laughs> Getting into pieces that are, are at that $50,000 value, and you've made stuff that's worth far more than that. Yeah. You're in the, like you said, this is a traditional cowboy arts association, and you guys are transcending the cowboy functional pieces of work to an art piece now. Has that art side been recognized by the art world very much? It's starting to. It's yeah. been a long road. I mean, it, first they had to accept the quality. Everybody's used to production stuff or, you know, um, I'm not going to say low-grade quality, but, but it is. a lot of the stuff out there is, not, is the same. not the top quality. So yeah. our whole thing is if you can build something like that decanter, then you can build conchos or buckles or yeah, anything exactly. else. And it yeah. makes it. And I still build my mainstays buckles, mainly three-piece sets, stuff like that. I don't do trophy buckles anymore, hardly. No, but the pieces you're building now are a couple pieces that I actually got to see uh, a couple months ago at the Stampede's tarp auction, but David Sibbald wears one. It's the buckle he got for being the president of the Stampede. Another one was, was Dana Pierce, the, the incoming president, too. You've made both of those buckles and numerous other ones. I'm Yeah, I did to. Bob Thompson's buckle. Yeah. Yeah, he's the first guy that came out and ordered that. And, and for me, guys like that that dedicate so much to the West, that's what I really like to do. I mean, they're cool guys, and when you see the they put into the stampede and people think it's a glory deal not at all i mean no it's not at <laughs> it all it costs them a lot of money it costs them a lot of money and they work like hell and, it, oh, and yeah. it's about the culture of the west you know so I, I spent a lot of time when i did any of their three buckles it's trying to figure them out and what they're about so that i can put that into their work if you look at dave's buckle the bucking horse on dave's buckle on his hip has their ranch brand on it oh really it's grandpa's ranch brand but they don't really raise bucking horses but it's a cool thing well it's an old-time bucking <laughs> horse with old-time cowboy yeah. on it you know yeah. more of a ranch it's more the the thought that they had to ride the buck out of those horses back in at that time to for they could so they could even be a ranch horse yeah. right they had to break yeah. them going that, back to the original origins of our sport really exactly well absolutely it goes yeah. back and the evolution of a belt buck it's kind of a fun deal too when you yeah. when you look at it that way. I mean, they, they used to wear just a normal little horseshoe buckle, those guys, and they would wear a big belt around their, a kidney belt, basically, to yeah. ride Bronx in. The Bronx oh, really? Stompers, they called them at that time. And when they originally started doing events, they would have a little, they started putting a little silver plaque on the back of those big belts. I mean, the belts were like six inches mm -hmm. wide. And in the center, they were a tiny, tiny little thing that would say where the ranch rodeo was and, and, yeah. and what it was. And then it evolved coming around to the front, you yeah. know, when guys quit. And if you look at the original 1912 buckles, trophy buckles, yeah. for the Calgary Stampede, they were an inch wide oh, wow. by about an inch and a half long. And Burks Canada built them. Burks. And they were all gold. Like Burke's, like the jewelry store. Really? Yeah, they built, and it just had a, a simple little bucking horse on there, and and yeah. a rope edge. The rope was like a lariat, and it just said Calgary Stampede 1912, and whatever huh. event they were in. And have you seen any of those in person before? Yeah, or? yeah. I went to Glenbow, and I was there on other business, and and was in their archives and saw those buckles, and it just never left me. And then years later, a guy brought one into me. 
in my yeah. shop to have his dad's name engraved in the back of it. So I got to have it for a few days. So then when 2010, the Calgary Stampede approached me about building buckles, a special edition buckle for their 100th anniversary. So I based it off those original 1912 buckles. Of course, they were bigger. I did two styles, a suit style and then, a, as they call it, rodeo style. They were the same buckle with the same type of edge on it and yeah. That's a kind of unheard of to have a buckle that would be an inch wide at this point. Like that would basically be the tip of this three piece. Yeah, exactly. That'd be, that'd be the whole trophy buckle at the but time. But guys used to just wear a one inch belt. Oh, okay. You know, so it, it made sense. Just then. basically yeah. something to hold their pants up. Yeah. You know? Huh. So nowadays you can eat dinner off some buckles I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Their> big <laughs> they thing. can get a little. <laughs> yeah. It went, yeah. It's like anything in fashion, right? They, yeah, literally. They start little and then go to an extreme and then come back. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about this book a bit too. That wasn't there earlier. Did you bring that out for a study piece or is that, did I not see it earlier? The book? Yeah. I just brought it out to you, to remind you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been on our coffee table. I've been through it a few times now and reading all the different stories and, and, and the creation of, of the organization and, and the pieces in here are amazing. Like yeah. Well, again, like I said, the, the mantra for that show is to create something you've never built before and push the, the limits of your trade. So think about that. So somebody approaches you and says, uh, we're going to do a show next year and we want you to do the best piece you've ever done. You say, okay. And then they come back to you the next year and say, we want you to do the best piece you've ever done. And then for me and three other guys, we've done that for 20 years. So it elevates the craft. It elevates the trade. And, yeah. and it, you're always searching for new inspirations. You're always searching for places to take it. So Wow. I couldn't imagine that even in what we do. Like there, I've never... I, I get challenged a bit with our top tour events now. And, and I shouldn't say a bit. I get challenged different times. I had to work with two French announcers a couple of weeks ago, which was very challenging to try and decipher a whole different language yeah. to work with, right? Yeah. To fit the music into a different... And I didn't have to I didn't have to play French music the entire time, but to decipher what they're saying, that would be the, one of the biggest challenges I, had to face all, I would face all year compared to a new venue where I would bring new sound different times. But I mean... Yeah, that's... But well, it's like anything you do too, though. You want to bring your best every time. Yeah. But like yeah. For, for you, it's like you yeah. got to elevate your build, entire craft. Yeah, yeah, it's something yeah. you've never done before. It's got well, to keep it interesting that way. It, it is interesting. And, and basically, if you go back to it, it fits right into our culture, right? Very true. So when they came out here, just think of it. My great-great-grandfather came out. He was 17 years old. He was alone, homesteaded in Saskatchewan. There was no guarantees. There was no plan on how to do it. It mm-hmm. was, you tried to be better every day. You tried to, oh, to yeah. think. So I this do. is... For me, uh, so there's different type of people out there, right? There's some people that like to fit a mold and just go to work in the morning, get their paycheck, yeah. and come home and have their weekend. And I was never one of them. Like anybody that rodeos isn't one of them. No, exactly. Know? So you try different things and you end up where you end up. You yeah. know? And for me, if I had to, it was like trophy buckles. I built a lot of trophy buckles starting out. And you built spurs too for oh, Don. Don yeah. talked about the spur making yeah. too. Yeah, Don. Yeah. 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 I'm sure he regrets that. But whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't want to build him. So I was yeah. always late and he oh. was always phoning. <laughs> that was the Johansson brothers they had their, their bull riding gear. Yeah. And the gear bags and different things. Don even told me they sold gear bags to the Calgary Flames in the, in the beginning. Oh, really? Yeah. Like yeah. the old, the bags they crazy. sold for the Flames. Like they did a whole bunch of business. But oh, Scott I built remember all the spurs. Yeah, I remember all their stuff, all the stuff they had. Yeah. Never yeah. Seen, yeah. I don't, never they seen had any of the spurs. But. And everything. Yeah. Well, yeah. they were buying Blackwood spurs out of the state. Bob yeah. Blackwood and then it wasn't a reliable source for him so yeah. then they came to me and I was way more unreliable than he was. So. <laughs> oh geez. I want to talk when Storm 
was first here, she brought you the pocket watch. Yeah. And she had mentioned that you had work in the Smithsonian uh, we, Museum. Is that right? We went down there uh, years ago, 2006. Yeah. The Alberta government and the Smithsonian put on a show. Okay. With They came and picked artists and craftsmen and fly fishermen and all kinds of different things to go down there and represent Alberta. Yeah. So we were down there for, for two weeks. It was a blast, man. Oh, wow. It was... It was Great. That seems to me closer to traditional art and and the the real. I'm, I don't want to say the real art world or like the mainstream art world. Mainstream, mainstream, art mainstream world. fine art. Is that yeah? The fine art is yeah. that kind of partially where that got to yeah. a little bit. Or? Yeah, and and even now, like you said earlier, we're not accepted as fine art. Which is kind of bullshit to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, but because you, that piece there could sit in any anywhere in the world. Like mm-hmm. I, I could see that being in a well, and even some of your pieces already. They're they're in Washington D.C. You yep. were just in Fort Worth last yep. week at a yeah. They're and, all over the world. I, yeah. I've got pieces all over the world. And, and the interesting thing is a, a painter or a sculptor, which basically to get good at this, you got to be both. You yeah. know, so when I start, like a painter starts with a drawing, yeah. a line drawing. Yeah. So do I. You know, ideas and you refine it and you go through, you go through. And where they add paint, then I start working with materials. So they're mixing colors and I'm figuring out how to form metal mm-hmm. by hand. And then the engraving, the engraving is, is an accepted art form, has been for hundreds of years, really. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you go to Holland and Holland or Purdy's or any of those fine shotgun makers, gun yeah. makers, I mean... People wait six, seven, eight years Holy. for their shotguns. Where the people in the Western world are lucky that you haven't been accepted into that fine art world yet because the prices are going to triple or go up by <laughs> 10 times. <laughs> I don't think I'll be around long enough. <laughs> It'd be nice to see. The problem we're having here is, you know, and I'll go back to when I did trophy buckles, I was doing a buckle a day and I was charging $100 for that buckle. This yeah. is in the early 80s. Were you even making money at 100 bucks? Like, were you oh, it was, a I mean, I was working... 12, 18 hours a day to get to make that one done. buck. And it's a piece today that we would be worth $1,000 or more. Oh, yeah. So I ran into a guy in the production business. Yeah. We had a coffee and, and he said at the end, he said, I got to go. I've got 250 buckles to make this weekend. Production. And I said, well, if you don't mind me asking how much? And he said 85 a piece. So he's building 250 in a weekend. I was building one a day. At that point, I decided I either had to get really good at what I did or go production. So the problem where I'm going with that is if the TCA, Traditional Cowboy Arts, doesn't elevate this to an art form where people want to collect it, if we can get that accomplished, then it gives all different levels for the craftsman to to evolve into an artist yeah. and get there, a young yeah. guy. If we don't get that accomplished, then basically it turns into a real struggle for that to be there. And then it turns into part-time because it can't yeah. make enough money. And then yeah. the quality goes down and on and on and on. So that's the true meaning behind the TCA. That's what we're really trying to do. I want to ask about this piece again here, the decanter. Yep. You take your pieces to Oklahoma City each fall. How many end up like this one where it hasn't been sold yet? It, some, you said sometimes it takes a year or two. Yeah. You don't, you don't have many of them that are no. still kicking around, right? Like no. there's probably, no, this like is, is this it. the only one yeah. right now? This is it. And it's yeah. it, like, it goes back to the, what you said about being a collector's piece. Yep. It's going to, it's a matter of time before well, the right Well, it's a matter of along. time. It's, it's the right person in the room, you know, at the right time. And you never know when that'll happen. So you can't yeah. get excited about it. You can't, you know, if it sells, you don't kick the floor and moan and yeah. you want to, <laughs> yeah. you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, I want to talk with you about how you came into this business. You, There's a teapot out front. I want to hear the story on that. Well, as a little kid growing up in Saskatchewan, I mean, we were always horses and cows, and I was a horse nut. All I ever wanted to be yeah. was a cowboy. I had a great-grandmother from England. She had this teapot, and to kind of 
con us into spending time with her and that she'd give us cigarettes and let us look in her <laughs> <laughs> let us look in her uh, her cupboard and, and this teapot always caught my eye yeah i could never believe that a man could build something like that her family had had that built and brought it over and that always stuck with me as as the story of the west you know yeah. when people came those great distances they'd bring one or two things that really meant something to them you know as i've always said hollywood always got it wrong you know they showed people as ignorant and and crude and it's not the way they were i mean they brought mm-hmm. those pieces out and they wanted to have their flatware out for a sunday dinner they wanted to they yeah. wanted things to be nice when they could have them nice i mean it was tough they couldn't have it nice all the time so yeah. i always thought i'd be a cowboy that's how i came to alberta i went to work in the mountains in yeah. the parks and then met my wife out there she was working at another outfit and yeah. we decided we were gonna buy land and ranch mm-hmm. well it takes money and and uh, <laughs> yeah i started silversmithing kind Kind of as a, a way to get that done. But yeah. after about four years of doing that, I just uh, lost the, the urge to, to, to ranch. ranch and okay. Just went deeper in there. Where did you get your first set of tools? Like, tell, tell us about the very beginnings that way. Very beginning was so damn frustrating, you wouldn't believe it. I, yeah. I, I took a little jewelry class in Calgary. Okay. Uh, three hours a night for two nights a week for 10 weeks. Okay. And they taught you how to make jewelry. Well, I wanted to make buckles and horse gear. And we use heavier materials for that. So the way they had me soldering and everything didn't work. So okay. I had to just keep trying things till yeah. I found things that worked. And, and engraving, nobody taught engraving. Nobody yeah. would help you. Nobody. And like you said, the, nobody would bring you in either in the, no, in the Western no, world either. No, they wouldn't. They yeah. wouldn't. I applied for a job at a production company at one point. And, oh, really? And I went in and, and did a little interview and they said to me, uh, what do you want to learn? Yeah. And I said, everything. Yeah. And I didn't get the job because huh. they, they wanted to keep you pigeonholed in one in place one spot, so you couldn't yeah. turn into a competition. Hmm. So, hmm. And that was, again, that was one of the big impetuses behind yeah. TCAs yeah. because you couldn't, you know, you'd see a picture here and you'd try and figure out how to do it. It yeah. took me four years to finally get one guy to say, I'll help you out. Really? You know? You began the TCA in a pretty early point in your career too. 17 really. years. 17 years in. Yeah. Okay, so not very early. But no. half, half yeah. now or less yeah. on the early side of it, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. on the early wow. side. I was blessed though because when I did finally start to get to see people, there was nobody. Even, there was a saddle maker, Chuck Storms, had helped yeah. me. And yeah. he lined me up with some guys in the U.S. Yeah. It took years to get their trust. And yeah. but once they understood how bad I wanted to learn, then they kind of just opened the door. Yeah. So. Okay. I want to talk uh, about some of your favorite pieces you've made so far or some of the highest dollar pieces kind of thing like that. And then I want to go on and ask, talk about some of the coolest customers you've had so far. Maybe some famous pieces that people might have seen somewhere, but maybe didn't know it's your work. I, I want to talk about that a little bit. Sure, man. I've enjoyed just about every piece I've created. And there's things I like building better than others, but I did a, a bridal set in collaboration with Kerry Schwartz and Wilson Capron. Okay. And I call it the story of the West. So on, on the headstall all around it was brands from my family, Wilson's family, and Kerry's family. And we put a globe bit on it, which is like the traditional Texas grazing bit. Okay. Split reins. So Alberta, Texas, there's so much continuity be- between our horsemanship and everything. That was, to me, that sold for $35,000 in the show. And it was yeah. a, an art collector that bought it. She bought it because of the story, because yeah. of the, the nine brands 
that went around the whole thing. Yeah, it was a, it's a cool story. And it was a, a fun piece because it was so family connected. And talk about the, some of the coolest customers. We were talking before and you said some of your favorites are the folks that might not be in the Western world, but they, they appreciate it. I've had so many great customers from down east, eastern U.S. Yeah. mainly. One, he's a financial mogul in, yeah. in New York and his family has been for years. And he just, as a kid, he, he was shipped off to guest ranches in Cody, Wyoming. And yeah. He just loves the West. I mean, he huh. still works in New York, but yeah. he collects a lot of Western things. And he bought that guest ranch years later and turned oh, wow. it into a private retreat. <laughs> then I've got other friends that clients, I call my clients friends because they are. Yeah, you have to yeah. get to know them and, and enjoy them, and they have to yeah. enjoy you. And one guy, a man and his wife, and they're both they're a riot, man. They're from yeah. Maryland. Yeah, and uh, then a lot of their a lot of the stuff uh, pictures are in the book, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, of, that's their place. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He owns the largest music store in North America, but he's always wanted to be a cowboy. Oh wow! See, and for me, it's people like that that love the West so much they just want to be a part of it. Yeah. Rather than feel entitled, this is where I'm from, and this yeah. is yeah. You know, everybody else stay out. That's kind of where I'm at. I just want to be a part of it too. I don't. I you're speaking about brands, and I. I mean, my family on my dad's side. They, I gotta ask my dad what what our brand was. You know, going back to what my yeah. namesake, like his his father, who I'm named after. They ran cattle into North Dakota and, and Southeast Saskatchewan and that kind of area. But I'm really curious to know because I don't. I don't ever. I never. I haven't seen it before. But I'm really curious now. I, I want to well, know the history there. The West was always about new beginnings, right? Yeah. And it was about survival, and it. It was about moving things forward. Yeah. That's what people miss. I mean, when you look at a Westerner, you look at Western culture, what it really means is people came here with a hope and a dream, and they had to do whatever they could to survive and make that work. They weren't thinking of themselves. They always thought a generation ahead. They were always building for the future, not for yeah. the day. And that's kind of what's missing in a lot of places right now. And, and yeah. the culture of the West is one of the most ignored cultures in the world, which is a shame. I mean, yeah. you go anywhere else in the world, and you'd say, cowboy and they I mean they love it but yeah. here it's a little bit of a it's taboo know. some places in we're, some places it's taboo and we're fucking outlawed in Vancouver we yeah. can't even have a rodeo because we're cruel to animals <laughs> they have people don't have a damn clue yeah so they keep their little dogs in an apartment and get them so fat they can't move but <laughs> yeah. we're cruel right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. horse shit they don't get to walk <laughs> <laughs> yeah they don't get to go outside yeah I mean, when I first came here, one of the first old ranchers I worked for, we were running cows up a chute processing one day. And one of yeah. the guys working was a little excited and was yeah. whacking on one of the cows. And, yeah. and he was told, touch him again and you're done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You see a lot of those animals get treated better than people do. Oh, like, they do. It's amazing. Like, yeah. especially like the stock contractors we work with. Like, they, oh, yeah. they're fed before they even eat. Yep. They're in the best shape like that they yeah. can ever be in. And, yeah. When I first came out and I was working hunting camps, you'd take them hunters out with the, the guide. You'd take them out. And when you came back in, you were cold, you were hungry and, and tired. Yeah. <laughs> they all went in the house and you stripped the horses, brushed them, fed them. Took care of And then you yeah. went in. That's the real story. Yeah. I, one of the questions we ask every single guest that we've had so far. Actually, we, I think we missed it a couple of times by just, accident. Just Ron. Just Ron. I was too scared to ask. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ron McLean, I didn't want to offend him by asking what his definition of cowboy shit was. But we ask everybody, so I want to know what your definition of cowboy shit cowboy is. Cowboy shit, man. I've been around it all my life and, and it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a comfort to me. So cowboy shit, 
I mean, you got to be tough. You got to be gentle. You got to be determined. You got to know when to back up. That's cowboy shit. I mean, you just, when everybody else is backing up, you're walking ahead. I like it. I want to say that what you do is it it embodies cowboy shit. Like you're building cowboy shit, really. It's kind of a negative term almost. Like I don't want to say that. Where you're building is that, but it's, this is cowboy shit. This is so damn cool. Like you have cowboy stuff in the Smithsonian. Like that's the pinnacle of Western art. Like this is the most cowboy shit ever it's well, so cool to me again it's it's a cowboy shit is a, is an idea yeah it's absolutely a, it's, and it's evolving always there's no tradition i mean you build on tradition and you move into the future so the tcaa is the what's the right word for like the uh, museum or the you guys create the definition of cowboy shit that's what i I'm think saying. so and the <laughs> yeah, guys in yeah. the group they're stone cold i mean yeah. most of them have cowboyed or rodeoed for a living i mean oh, we've yeah. got Two ex-pro bull riders in the group. I don't know what that word is that I'm trying to find. I had a could have been an eloquent ending there. Nice segue. <laughs> words are words are hard. I messed it up. Yeah. It's Monday well, now morning. Now you're into Monday cowboy morning shit. Words are hard. Eloquent yeah. endings. You just stop. Yeah. 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 So for more information on the TCA, it's tcowboyarts.com. Tcowboyarts.com. Yep. Scott Hardy. ScottHardy.com. Yep. Check out Scott's work. He's on Instagram. If you guys, for all of the folks that are down with the Instagram, Scott's got a really cool page. You can see all really? of his work. Yep. See some of the stuff we've been talking about. You got to look at it to know what we've been mm-hmm. talking about because I can't it's describe worth, check, worth, worth checking damn. out. Yeah, you need you to can't check not it check it out after this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Well, thanks a lot, Scott. This was awesome. We had a lot of fun this morning. So well, thank thanks. You. This is episode 39 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy, brought to you by Everything Cowboy. Thanks again, Mr. Scott Hardy for having us at his shop here earlier this week. I have a question for you. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it, Scott. Thanks for the show. We got to talk about Scott first. You can talk to do that later. What, what do you got? What do you, it's about as it relates to Scott. Oh, okay, good. Okay, I thought yeah. you were gonna just hijack the show, like you're gonna pull a Dustin Edwards and just. Oh no! Just go hijack the show. No. Steal everybody's girlfriends. Bam. No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're gonna leave that for Dustin. Dustin's the girlfriend. Should we get well, a new update? We can. Allie posted a heart about him on Facebook. Two Instagram posts. It was pretty. They're cute. spending a lot of time together. They're in love. Yeah, they're so in love. So in love. Yeah. Okay, what's your question? So out of like the, <laughs> the cowboy trades, like the leather oh, work, silver work, rating. like even, or yeah, rawhide rating, saddle making, mm-hmm. what would you want to do? All of the above. No, actually, oh, that's though, cool. actually though, leather work. <laughs> I actually built myself a rain bag one time. Did you see it? No. Downstairs, the leather gear, ba- that's gear bag. That's oh. I built that. Having, when I was in Vegas, going to school there, I lived with Colin McTaggart for a while. Mm-hmm. He made NFR and, and lived in Vegas. For, was originally from Oregon, mm-hmm. but he did leather work, built shops and everything. And I was going to mm-hmm. build a pair of shops, but I wasn't there long enough, but I built that gear bag. So I actually learned how to sew and do different things like that and did a little bit of like basket stamping and did the really basic stuff. Yeah. Carving is completely an art form that I, oh my gosh, I don't, I can't even write good, let alone like freaking draw stuff. Yeah. I've hung out with Lane a few times and he's building shops and it's pretty pretty amazing what those guys can do. Yeah. So I don't have a lot of tools downstairs that have been there for probably over a year. Yeah. But I haven't done anything with them yet. And I don't know when I will. My brother might end up using them, I guess. But I'd like to at some point. I just, you know, it's another thing where you got to find somebody to teach you where Colin taught me a little bit of the stuff and how it was like, you had to wet the stuff first, then you go and punch it. And like basket stamping is like one little stamp this big. Yeah, yeah it takes forever. And it makes a whole pattern, right? So yeah. you, And then you got to line it up right so it doesn't get all friggin' jacked up. And it's a skilled trade. That was like, that's the easiest thing, basket stamping. And then like we cutting balls. leather and it's, hard, it's friggin' hard, yeah. let alone carving and like freehand 
making flowers and then all the accents on it and who lee and then and then silk like leather once you do it you really can't go back right like it's done deal once you put the stamp in oh totally yeah and then silver is even more so because you have to start from square right? one if you fuck it up yeah i wouldn't yeah. want to do i do leather work too you would do leather work too? yeah that's more up my alley i'd say we're all hide braiding we really cool too some of the stuff you can make with it i'd love to do the silver work too but like i don't i'm just i couldn't get into it i wouldn't know where to i mean i guess i would talk to scott first but he probably would just we could probably give this guy a shot but like how much time do i have to put into it too I already got the other stuff on the go. Do I really want to start another thing? Right? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd like, I want to say I'd like to, but I don't know if I really put the time into it either. Okay. Give it justice. Cool. So you do leather? Mm-hmm, I would. Yeah, just that's, I think it's the things you can do with it are really cool. Like mm-hmm. the shafts, the buckles, or not the buckles. Yeah, you can build leather buckles, I guess. Shaving kit. Yeah, shaving kits, belts, carry bags. Like, Boots. It's really cool. Yeah, really cool the stuff you can do with it. Yeah. Okay. So I have another question for you. Oh. This, this is kind of moving forward. Question time with waste. So we're heading into our busy run, like the summer run. Yeah, by the time what? you listen to the show, we're going to be yeah. giving her. Yeah. Just giving her. So what event slash place are you looking most forward to work at? Well, one of the ones I was mo- looking forward to the most was Quebec City. Going to, you know, go to yeah, the video Yeah, can't do that. In Quebec. I know it's already passed, it's but to uh, okay. one of the questions Scott asked, and it kind of stumped me a little bit, was what, you know, about challenging ourselves. He, he didn't really ask it, but he kind of talked posed about the, it. He posed the I, question. And I thought, yeah, the one that I had the most, that's most challenging would have been Quebec, working in a different language and, you know, that way. But looking forward to it, I mean, I always look forward to the Calgary Stampede. Mm-hmm. But this year, the one I'm most jacked up about right now, I'd say, like, I'm I'm excited to go to Grand Prairie for, you know, and Rocky. Those are two new events. Going back to Moose Jaw, kind of look, looking forward to that as well. It's a sweet building out Medicine there. Medicine Hat's going to be a f- cool bull riding, I think. And then you got High River. Airdrie's always fun. Clooney again. But another really cool one that I'm really jacked up about is uh, is Ranchman's. Oh yeah, I haven't got to do the music at that one yet, and I really want have really wanted to do that for a while. So is it going to be the same setup as last year with like you guys are running your sound off of the main stage? I don't think that there's a stage this year. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So it's just bull riding, just cool. straight up bull riding. Cool, cool. So hot song night number one, Fat Bottom Girls. There will be a few of those in the stands. Wacy may have met a few at the Ranchman's before. Don't just pin me down, Chris. <laughs> So that's everybody has. That's Wacy's. Anybody's uh, been to the ranch song? No, it's not my the theme song. It's <laughs> a lie. These are lies. You're telling Besides, me, you sit on a throne of lies, baby. Man. From thank courtesy of stop DJ telling the people. Stop telling the people live lies. I, I'm not. I'm just. I, I mean, I saw some stuff there. You have, <laughs> really. That's another lie. <laughs> this is a podcast of lies. There's some some line dancing. We should call this lie time with Ted. <laughs> <laughs> how many te- how many lies can Ted tell in eight minutes? Um, eight seconds, forty six and a half. <laughs> yeah, what are you what are you looking forward to, Wace? What's um, on your um, schedule for the definitely summer? Definitely Calgary, especially now that I'm get to be involved for all ten days. Yeah, the shoot gate real. opener. Are you gonna are you gonna get a buckle that says shoot gate man? It says gate man. <laughs> I wouldn't wear it. Are you gonna get some gloves with some fringe? Gate man gloves? Nope. I feel like that's something you're you would <laughs> Are you gonna get a idiot string for your sunglasses so they don't fall off? I have one. <laughs> From when I, went to I don't Mexico. know what it's actually called. What is it actually called? Uh, idiot strings. It's pretty. It's, it, 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 but uh, I, I would describe it. I feel like it's kind of cool, though. I think there's those are. I sweet. think they're cool too. I yeah, like mine. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably not going to get any of those things, <laughs> minus the idiot string. So that <laughs> those are cool. <laughs> How much are you selling your sponsorship for on your on my hat shirt? stickers? On my hat stickers, like a front of the Ooh, hat hat. You stickers. know what? How much? You know what? Because it's a lot of TV. If you, if you give me a thousand bucks for the week, I will wear a hat sticker on the front of my hat. <laughs> on the front of your hat? Yeah, because I'm on TV. So I'm not gonna say that I'm gonna give you a thousand dollars, but someone listening to the show may give this you business $1, opportunity for that. I will do it. Yeah, he'll do it. And there's people. There's day one. Keenan will probably say, "What you the can't wear that? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's not allowed." <laughs> 
<laughs> Free real estate, man. Yeah. And my body's a billboard. <laughs> you could just you could just get a pair of sunglasses that had fig newtons across the lenses. <laughs> <laughs> this is extremely dangerous, but I love fig newtons. <laughs> Oh god! I would do that. I would do that too. <laughs> and then I would get something on the back of my pants, like like you know, like when they like used the, like the Outriders used to have. One when the like, they had like they had Ferris down the leg of their jeans. Something, yeah. Oh, Cody Floyd has a sponsor on his jeans. Holy's Trading Post, yeah, in Whitewood. He has a jean sponsor. Yeah, I'm open for business, people. Why is he gonna put a back of the jean sponsor? It's gonna say across my butt. It's gonna say sassy or something. <laughs> What's that sweet? What's that brand that people love? Like it's just Supreme. Supreme. Supreme menswear? It's just a, no, it's Supreme. It's just a brand and they just put oh. Supreme on stuff and it oh. sells for like thousands of dollars. Wait, so let's get a hooey across his butt. I do it. Hey hooey, hit me up. You're Open gonna wear, for business, walk You're gonna billboard. have to wear clown pants so you can I'm gonna double get away double with triple it. my income at the stampede because of sponsors. Man, a gate man sponsor. I get more TV time than anybody. You do. Honestly. I've been there. Yeah, you know. People, it's... 10 days it's worth weird. people. Yeah. 10 That's days fun. at the greatest outdoor show on earth. And I'm on the truck wagons now too, so I get... You could oh, double down. Dang. Thousand bucks for the truck wagon. Thousand for the rodeo. A red shirt. That's yeah. Right. So there you go. As long yeah. as I wear the red shirt, the stampede can't get mad at me because I'm wearing what I have to wear. That's true. It's my hat. That's true. Free real estate. It's a billboard. <laughs> That's bought a new hat today too. I'll put it on there. I don't care. <laughs> That's a good. That's a good idea. <laughs> You're welcome. I just made decent. I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna have like a pitch meeting. I'm just gonna like invite so, a bunch of people. Here's the possible investors. Maybe you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, what about music though? You're. What about what are you jacking for? I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to Manor. Manor. Yeah, because I've rode there before, so it's yeah. kind of be cool to be part of it. Manor and Kindersley's gonna be fun too. Yeah. So I get to work with Doug, and I love Doug. Doug, 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 Doug. And obviously, and I'm really pumped to do Elnor again. Cause I had fun doing the futurity. It will. Last it'll year. be good. Gonna be a good summer. Cool. Gonna it's be summer. a good summer. Then I gotta go back to Verdon later in the summer. I was like, who do you work Verdun, with there? Checking out Ward Cutler. No, Doug. Oh, Doug. Nice. Doug. Yeah. So I'm gonna hang out with Doug there, and then I don't go know, swimming. Go back to Abbotsford and Saskatoon and all the places. Saskatchewan, eh? Olds and I don't even know where else. Between between like with the work that we got going on and all, all the fun things that are going to happen this summer, I'm so yeah. excited. It's going to be a good summer. Like lots of going to get lots of golf in. When we float the bow dressed as pirates. That'll be also be good. great conquest. Hey, we've got some new posy stuff coming out too, hey? It may or may not be out by the time you listen to this podcast, or we might be. Stay tuned. There's we might be breaking the news. Some big TPF announcements. We got some new soon. stuff, some new hats, some new shirts. Mm-hmm. Get on over to TyPosibon.com. They're spicy. They're spicy shirts. Get those orders spicy in. That's what Wacy does during the week. Ships Thai stuff. It's one of his many talents. <sighs> Shipping parcels. Shipping par- taping boxes. I was at Frontier today, and they have stickers, so you don't have to cut the stuff and put them in a thing and just slap them right on. Bam, sticker. Instead of cutting out the thing and folding it. And oh, you print it on the sticker. It. You print it on the sticker and then bam, right on the box. How do we get in on that action? I don't know, but we should look into we this. Should talk to our, the, we should talk to the our, our boss. Our associates at Canada Post. And our boss at TPF. Do we need, because we do we need a special printer or is this a normal printer? Know. I don't know. We've, we've, tra- we've really gone off on a rat hole here, so. You started that. We're going to, we're going to, but new stuff, typepausebond.com. <laughs> Thanks again, Scott Hardy, for having us in his shop, having us on the show today. Remember to check him out at scotthardy.com. And on Instagram, Scott Hardy Silver Silversmith. Smith. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. And we've posted numerous videos, so you'll be able to find them and be on the website. Everything, all this jazz. Thanks for listening once again. This has been Cowboy Shit with Ten Ways. This has been episode 39 as well, the Doug Waite episode. Who else is 39? I only know Doug Waite from my Oilers days. My, my brother. brother kid. Born 39 when he played junior. Braden Anderson. Nice. That's my other 39 I know. Okay. Thanks I for listening. hate the Oilers. Ooh, there's a goalie. Goalie that's 39 this recently, isn't there? I don't know. Okay. Good talk. <laughs>
<laughs> this was episode 39 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wasey, brought to you by Everything Cowboy.